stupid just it's crazy that i can't find my keys but as soon as this started playing i knew it was falco and rock me amadeus um thanks for being here we got to talk about energy bills how much your energy bill is going to go up this winter and what could be done about them there are a couple of things that i've been very critical about i will continue to be critical about because i think the president of the united states sets the agenda and should always do that president biden won the election to the victor go the spoils but there also has to be some kind of um Room for movement. Um, And very clearly, um, the things that happened during every administration that those administrations didn't count on happening. 9-11 9-11 was not something that the Bush administration was counting on happening. You had to adjust your entire administration around that and what happened, whether you agree with it or disagree with the Iraq war and the things that followed. All of those things are part of what an administration has to deal with and shift priorities in midstream. It's interesting. The Bush administration, uh, the former president, and I'm talking about W-43, uh, um, he said one of his biggest regrets was not getting comprehensive immigration reform done. But you have to shift Sometimes when a disaster strikes, Hurricane Katrina, when and, and priorities have to shift. And to the president's credit, before I start getting into criticism, to his credit, the president of the United States is making a visit to Florida with Governor DeSantis. Political um, enemies for sure. But the president of the United States is going to Florida. He's going to review the damage. He said whatever Florida needs, they're going to get. And that's exactly how a president's supposed to behave. So I will be critical when I think it is warranted, but I also will give credit when I think credit is due. So he is doing that. That All eyes will be on that, that meeting because they are political adversaries for sure. But the fact of the matter is you, there are things you have to do as president of the United States, even for the sake of optics. This is definitely optics, but it's optics that are necessary. Necessary. Show a united front between a very Republican governor and a very Democratic president who don't see eye to eye on much of anything and seem to be hypercritical of each other sometimes. <clears throat> sometimes. But in this case, coming together is something that's necessary. So I'll leave that there. But when it comes to what's about to happen to the American people, it is about anticipation, seeing what's coming, coming and adjusting. Those are the things that make good leaders good leaders. And when you are looking at what's happening around the world with this uh – with the pipeline that has been disrupted that are saying may never be usable again. You've got the OPEC nations. They may be reducing energy per oil production to drive up oil prices a bit because they think demand is going to go down. But there's also heating oil. There is natural gas and things that are um, going to affect people heating their homes this winter. This White House should have long ago changed its energy policies, and they haven't. They have doubled down on their energy policies. They have empowered the EPA outside of what the Supreme Court said that they could do. The EPA with much more strict rules. The reduction, the dramatic reduction in oil leases. You can say if you want to follow the narrative and talk about 9,000 unused leases and all of these other things, you also have a huge movement within this administration going after the companies that finance exploration, drilling, and refining of of natural resources. So all of this coupled together is one of the reasons why we see extreme highs in 
gasoline prices and diesel prices. They have fallen back. But now the new headline is that it is going to be extremely expensive for people to heat their homes this winter. This is something that should have been anticipated and worked on. They are still saying that they are reducing the numbers of leases that are going to be sold. Uh, we know about the deal with Mansion that made the Democrats angry, and they killed that in this previous budget. So now they have the continuing resolution so that the government is funded because uh, Manchin removed that from the bill. So he made a deal. The Democrats broke the deal. His own party broke the deal. Now he's trying to find a new energy deal. Now, wherever you stand, I, I think we all are, and our hearts are environmentalists in this way. We want clean air and we want clean water. I am as disgusted with companies that have no regard for the environment. When I was, I've joked about this, but when I was a kid, um, I, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Downtown Cleveland was where I was born, and I lived in farm, what used to be farm country, in northeast Ohio in Geauga County, a little town called, it was actually was a township. It was Newberry, Ohio, which is just outside of Chagrin Falls, Ohio, which we had a Chagrin Falls zip code because we were such a tiny little farming community. We didn't have our own zip code yet. But I remember as a kid in northeast Ohio, the Cuyahoga River caught on fire. It was so polluted, the river caught on fire. Now, there's no one on the planet that looks at that and says that's an okay thing. No one. We want clean air. We want clean water. And when people violate that, when people do the wrong thing, they should pay a heavy price. There's no doubt. How do we not all agree on that? My problem is that I am also not one of these people that believes that man-made climate change is the bane of our existence and the world is going to implode in 12 short years if we don't do something about this. And I mean take drastic measures. This White House is taking such drastic measures that it is – I believe it played a big role in driving up energy costs and it plays a big role in what's going to happen this winter. You've got tribes that are saying we rely on coal and other natural resources that we take profits from when private companies are on our land taking it out of the ground. You're taking that from us, and we do it the right way. Now, if you have ever followed anything that the tribes do around the country, here in Arizona too, is in fact the, the Navajo tribe dealing with this as well, that they are great stewards of the land. They hold the land sacred. We, do, we don't see it the same way, but the tribes see the land as sacred. And so they're saying to the federal government, we're doing this the right way. We are making a living from this, but we are making sure we are not people that would allow the land to be desecrated. And we're telling you that what they're doing is they're and they're doing it the right way. We are making a profit from we're feeding our people, we're sustaining our people. But at the same time, we are not ruining the planet and we're not letting these companies ruin the planet. And they're turning a blind eye. The administration is not even listening to that that way of thinking. This is where I believe the big issues for the American people will be. It's because they're looking at this and saying we are having trouble feeding our families. Food costs have gone through the roof and continue to climb, which is one of the reasons why we were seeing big issues with the stock market over this past year is everything that has been done to slow down inflation hasn't done it yet. And the bigger moves they make and the bolder moves they make, it's still not affecting inflation, which is why instead of them saying, OK, we've hit bottom, it's time to watch us climb out. They are still pulling back in the stock markets. Well, today was has been good. But the reason why they over classically over the past year was at 9,000 points or 8,000 points down from just the Dow alone is because they're seeing the worst is not here yet. And we should be keeping a very, very close eye on this.
An interesting poll on a couple of different things coming up in just a moment. Do Arizona voters trust our elections? And it's split up by party. It's an interesting poll on elections, on compromising, how do voters feel about candidates that are willing to compromise with the other side of the aisle? All of these things and elections coming up here in just one moment. Arizona Votes, Election Day 2022, with Mike Broomhead. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. New poll shows Arizona voters believe in the election system is the headline. This is an Arizona, an AZ Central Arizona Republic story. A survey from the Center for the Future of Arizona in conjunction with High Ground Public Affairs uh, dug deeper into the elections. And I, I, you know, I the expectation of what we're going to see here, some of it surprised me just a little bit. Um, and elections, 74% of those surveys rate Arizona elections as fair. Now, 89% of Democrats say they're fair. 68% of independents, but 65% of Republicans say they believe that our elections are fair. That is a surprising statistic if you watch and listen to what's been done with election integrity issues. How accurate this poll is, again, is is up to you. They always say... um, It has a plus or minus of 4.3, but you still have well over 60 percent of Republicans, even within that margin of error, that say they believe that our elections are fair. Seventy percent say Arizona elections are secure. That's 93 percent of Democrats say they're secure. Sixty three percent of independents and only 54 percent half of Republicans. But that is also a much larger number of Republicans than you would think if you listen to the messaging that's coming from the Republican Party in Arizona, where they it, it, the messaging would be the vast majority of, of Republicans believe that the elections are not secure. Um, 80% of all voters were confident in, in the results of the August election or the primary. 93% of Democrats, 75% of independents, and 70% of Republicans. 77 believe the results of the November elections will be accurate. 90% of Democrats, 70% of independents, and 66% of Republicans, which is still a big majority. So when it comes to this issue, the reason why I'm even talking about this, there's two major reasons. Number one, because we have to move on from 2020. So, and when people get upset when I say that, I mean that respectfully. Yes, we need to make sure that the elections are fair, but we have to move on to 2022. We cannot stay focused on 2020. I'm one of them that is is very critical, will remain very critical of two things. One, Hillary Clinton is still saying that we don't know whatever happened in 2016, and the media isn't going after her like they're going after the people that say the elections were not fair in 2020. The difference being Hillary Clinton is rhetoric. She wrote a book about it to make money. She still talks about it when she's asked, but she hasn't acted on it. They didn't go out and try to change things in the election cycle to try to make them more fair in their minds. So Hillary Clinton would say it's not fair. It was stolen in 2016, but let's just keep doing what we're doing. At least the people that say the elections weren't fair are saying we still need to do more to make them fair. I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but I understand it. If I thought that there was cheating still going on, I would try to stop it, too. But at what risk? Because if you, the voters have moved on, even in your own party, the independent voters have moved on. You're going to sacrifice the 22 elections being labeled election deniers with a lot of independent voters. And that's I think that's a problem. Here was an interesting thing from this survey as well. 
64% of those surveyed said they prefer candidates willing to compromise and work across the aisle. Now, that is going to be interesting. I don't see the breakdown here by party. But I will tell you that when you there's a difference between party leadership and party voters in both political parties. Republican and Democrat. I have I, because I am a Republican. I speak about my party most, and I would say to you respectfully, the Republican Party leadership is out of step with Republican voters on on many levels. Many levels. The late Senator John McCain won elections by double digits, primaries and general elections. He won by double digits. If there was one person you had to put money on that they would win their election, the best odds were always on the late Senator John McCain. Yet within party leadership, they couldn't stand him. They could not stand John McCain. They censured John McCain just like the Democrats have done to Kirsten Sinema. Now, I don't know how popular Senator Sinema is overall. I haven't seen poll numbers on that. But if 64% say they want to get people working together, then she would have to be, you would think, she would have to be very popular with the consensus of Democrat voters, not just independents and Republicans, but Democrat voters. And yet the party is talking about getting her, getting rid of her in a primary, just like they did about John McCain. I believe leadership in both parties is out of step with the voters. In the Republican Party, and I believe that for a long time. And this poll is kind of showing a little bit of that. Uh, the results show that Arizona is concerned by rising home prices. 80% agree home prices and rent are out of control. 91% of Democrats, 88% of independents, and 70% of Republicans. Um, government spending, uh, this is interesting. Uh, 89% agree that the government needs to make ongoing investments in critical infrastructure to keep up with growth. Uh, 96% of Democrats, 93 of independents, and 81 Republicans. That's, that's almost, that's virtually everyone. 57% want investments in new roads and fixing streets over a tax break. That's, that's a much lower number. 60% support investing in education over tax cuts and 50% prioritize funding for public safety over lower taxes. What's interesting about that is there's a lower number of people that want to want public safety in this. I find that fascinating. But I would say that this is where this is a little confusing, at least it is to me, because I don't know. I, I would say you can do both. The state of Arizona has cut taxes and increased revenue. But let's not forget that. We have a flat tax that is going to be implemented into 2023. We had a huge budget surplus in this fiscal year. Huge budget surplus, which is where a lot of these tax cuts come from. So, yes, it is possible to cut taxes and increase revenue. Now, instead of saying, would you rather have a tax cut or higher, more investment in education, you can say, what if we did a tax cut and we could invest in education? I would love to hear the answer to that. I would love to hear the answer to that question. If both can be done, if you could pay less in taxes and see a government with a bigger investment, wouldn't you say that that is a, a, a miraculous thing? I do. I think it's incredible. Um, what we're going to do in a moment is we are going to talk about dating apps and public safety. I know it sounds like the two would be completely different. There is a story here in Arizona about a man who showed up for a Tinder date and got robbed. But we're going to talk about public safety across the country and how some rule changes are very scary to me. That's all coming up.
next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, This started off this morning a conversation about dating apps because I've never been on a dating app. I know that's shocking for a guy my age to never have been on a dating app, but I haven't been. Um, And I don't think because of my position I could be. I think it would be a scary thing if I was. But here in Arizona, a guy showed up for a Tinder meetup and uh, was robbed by a couple. And this is more about crime and punishment than it is about dating. It, it is uh, there is a there is a rise in violence. There is a uh, a newfound um, boldness, I think, in criminality. Over the weekend, I don't know if you saw this story. Over the weekend, some guy, twenty years old, smashed the window out of a patrol car in the city of Phoenix and stole a, a police car or an SUV. Uh, that's the kind of boldness that we're seeing. I mentioned earlier about my speaking at a uh, ASGIA, the Arizona Gang Investigators Association. And I will tell you that uh, there are many, many people out there dedicated, risking their lives, but dedicated to inter, you know, inter, I guess you would say, um, getting into, intervening, um, and then disrupting, dismantling criminal gangs. And if we don't have those people on the street, we're in trouble. New York City, when you look around the country at the trends that you are seeing, it is about lack of prosecution. Um, It is about lack of enforcement. I saw something today, and it's all political. That Rittenhouse kid that was defending himself, a jury found him to be defending himself, had I think a million dollars in bail. And there was just a guy that admitted he murdered somebody by running them over with his car because it was a politically motivated crime. His bail was like $50,000. There is a disparity, and I don't think it's along political lines. I think it is along what the disparity is in enforcement and where you live and what people do when you're charged with very serious crimes. New York City put out a bulletin, and it was uh, to business owners in New York on intervening in criminal situations themselves and not involving the police. And I think it's a dangerous precedent because we do a different – we do it differently here. And I think that we all have a right and we should – I think we have an obligation to protect ourselves when necessary. But we don't want vigilantism. We don't want people thwarting crimes by themselves when it's not when whenever it's possible to avoid it. I would say to you, we we are in a much better position as a society when calling 911 and letting the police handle a criminal situation makes us better as a society than taking the law into our own hands. You are putting yourself in danger. What's the first thing they say? Call the police. Call the police. In New York, there is such a shortage of police officers that they are finding themselves saying, hang on, if there's, if you got this going on, there are the five D's or the four D's of distracting and deflecting and all this other stuff you can do, redirecting and all this nonsense. What they're basically saying is we don't have enough cops. 
and you're going to find more and more street justice. When you see places, and I, I don't blame people for being furious, when you look at New York City over the weekend, what a horrible story of a paramedic lieutenant. She was stabbed 19 times in an unprovoked attack. 19 times. In the meanwhile, New York City is putting gun-free zone signs in Times Square. Every law-abiding citizen knows you're going to follow the law because if you're a law-abiding citizen and you violate a gun law, you lose your gun rights. So you're going to be unarmed at a place where the criminals don't care. Knives, guns. You go back decades ago, and people that lived in New York City will tell you Times Square was a disaster. It was peep shows and and horrible crime rates and all kinds of stuff going on in the streets in Times Square. One of my favorite places to visit when I go to New York is Times Square. When I was doing some of the national television, national radio stuff, they would put me up in a hotel that was half a block from Times Square, 44th Street between Broadway and Avenue of the Americas. It was right there in the center of everything in Times Square. Looking out my uh, studio window when I was doing the show from the building, I was looking right at the, the, the sign for the Lion King in Times Square. So I was right in the middle of all of that. And walking around Times Square, is amazing. It is an amazing place to visit. I felt safe. I felt secure. I was just, it was such a crazy tourist attraction to me. And every time I went, I would spend time just walking blocks. You know, it's, it's a great place. You're walking around in New York City and you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, there's Radio City Music Hall. You just walk past it. it. It's kind of a cool place to visit. Look down 44th Street and see Grand Central at the end. Go past the big public library walking that way. Fifth Avenue is right there. So all of this is available to you. But if we allow the criminal element to get the upper hand, when the predators understand that the prey is unarmed and unable to fight for themselves, you get trouble. We have here in Arizona, and I hopefully I'm going to bring you more details as time goes on after having visited this conference with these gang cops. I will hopefully be able to bring you some statistics that are staggering, some stories that are staggering because the criminal gangs – Phoenix is a major city. The Valley is a huge metropolitan area, and these gangs know that it is very profitable for them. They are being armed. They are being funded. They're getting their drugs from car. Tells south of our border, realizing that this is a feeding ground for predators. If it isn't for those people out there, if it isn't for the sheepdogs, we're all sheep. You understand there would be a great number of us that would be prey to these criminal gangs if it weren't for the men and women that stand up and say, Mm-mm, I'll take care of it. We will intervene. We are going to intervene. And so this is something we should be looking at. Uh, this, the way this started off about this dating app, I'll tell you, it's just that's the boldness. That's people taking advantage of new ways of doing things and saying, you know, it used to be armed robberies were different. Now we can lure somebody to a hotel. We can lure somebody to a restaurant or something and get them alone and rob them. That's, you know, th- those are predators. And so what do we do now if the person, the people that get arrested for this, what if they're not severely punished? What if it's a slap on the wrist that makes them do it again? What's their criminal record like? Look around the country where prosecutors are just not prosecuting, where they're turning people loose. They're ROR'd. They're released on their own recognizance. It is a symptom that we should all learn from. We need strong prosecutors who are willing to do what it takes, and they have to be funded as well. 
when we talk about police departments being short-staffed, they absolutely are. And there's another thing that's happening just very quickly. When you hear about the city of Phoenix Police Department being understaffed and then the chief has to come in and rearrange things so they have enough officers for patrol. Not only do you have homicide investigators and other investigators and other details that are being pulled at least part of their time off of their casework to be doing patrol. You're pulling people out of gang units. You're pulling these people, these specialized officers out of details. And it's not just Phoenix PD. It's happening to agencies all over Arizona. So at a time where their work is more critical than ever, they're having to go back to patrol. They are being reactive instead of being proactive. And we have to think about it as a society. What kind of a city, what kind of cities do we want? Fully fund the police, fully fund the prosecutors, tell the predators they're not preying upon us easily. That's just, the, I think, the solution. In a moment, how bad is the teaching shortage in America? The numbers are staggering. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, please do it. Simple to do. Listen at your convenience. Never miss a minute of the show again. And a big thank you this week to my friend Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley, for the sponsorship. Get a higher price selling your home and guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. So how bad is the teacher shortage? The United States has lost 370,000 teachers since the beginning of the pandemic, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So what do we do? Arizona has got a program in place taking students that want to go into education. Extra $15 million going into this program to get people that want to be educators into the classroom. I think it's a great program. The mentoring program that is starting, I think, is a great idea. I don't know why it wasn't done before. We mentor new police officers. We mentor new doctors. You know, you just because you have an MD doesn't mean they throw you to patients and let you just make your mistakes along the way. When you're a police officer that graduates from the police academy, you have your badge, so to speak, but you are not ready to be a police officer. You go through FTO, field training officers. And so you are then around the streets with a seasoned officer learning the ropes, passing certain things to make sure you're ready to be a standalone officer. It's a great idea for teachers as well. It gives them someone to lean on. Gives them a pathway to learning and then gets them out on solid ground when they hit the classroom by themselves. I think it's a great way to go. Uh, what are community schools? This is another thing. I find this fascinating. Uh, what are community schools? Community schools are public schools that provide services and support that fit each neighborhood's needs, created and run by the people who know our children best, all working together. This is something that's being funded. The NEA loves this. Um, it's being funded by the federal government. Now, what does it include? You know what it includes. It includes a lot of the uh, – they are mandating that a lot of these curriculums that a lot of people have problems with. In other words, words, if you do this, the federal government will give you more money. But isn't it interesting that when we talk about community schools, I would say charter schools are community schools, charter schools, homeschooling, micro schools. These are where people in this community specifically know what these children need. Isn't it interesting that the federal government is going to give millions of dollars to districts that follow their rules and they call them community schools, number one. But then they complain about Arizona saying, you, the parent, know your child better than anyone else does. Doesn't mean you're an educator, but it does mean you know your child better than anyone. You are the one that sees the results of your child's education, good or bad. 
So you should be able to control the tax dollars attached to your child to make sure your child gets the best education for that child. And anybody out there that is a parent or a grandparent understands that it is a extreme difference from child to child, not just household to household, child to child. Um, how many of you have someone, one of your children that got great grades in school and it didn't seem like there was much of an effort? They just were just better at it. It was they got it at first glance. They understood it. Some are better readers. Some are better at math. Some are better at science. And so they struggle maybe in one area, but not in another. And you have another child that just seems to breeze right through school. They get great grades. They do really well academically and they don't put much effort into it. You've got another child that has to buckle down and they get discouraged and you have to chase them down to make sure they do their homework and help them understand to get them to the same level. It's like that with athletics. We all understand that we have we know people that are just gifted athletes and then we have others that have to work harder that doesn't mean that both aren't going to excel it just means one was born with a skill set the other one has to uh, master and grow it's, it, to me, it, it makes perfect sense. So on one hand, if you're going to do the curriculum, and I think that federal intervention in education is a waste um, in a lot of ways. I think that if we had those federal dollars in the states and the state controlled that money, we would do a much better job. You look at the state of Arizona and you tell me that the same things that face, the same challenges that a student faces in South Phoenix – is the same thing that someone faces in North Scottsdale. The answer is no, that's not true. It is about funding on a certain level, but it's also about challenges and how that student excels as a student. Even bigger, do you think schools face the same challenges in the Phoenix Union High School District that they do in northern Arizona in Sholo or in Flagstaff in Prescott? No, they don't. They don't. It's completely different. And if we do a one-size-fits-all, and we've done so much of that federally, how can the federal government say what works in Connecticut has to work in Arizona? What works here has to work there. It can't. We need to allow teachers, educators, good teachers to teach. We, and you want to know why we're losing a lot of teachers? Well, a lot of it has to do with the rules that were set in place and a lot of other things that are happening. If you think that this is just a funding issue, if you think the teachers are walking away because they're not being paid enough and that's what's going on, you're pay, you aren't paying close enough attention to why teachers are leaving the profession. They'll put up with a lot, but they're not going to sit back when they can't teach and they don't feel like they're having an effect on their students. That we gotta, we've got to change a lot. We need to change a lot. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, what is the answer to the illegal immigration crisis? We'll talk about that next.